Welcome to the Globig Podcast, where we talk to international expansion experts from around the world to make it faster and easier for you to take your business global. Hello, everyone. I'm Anka Corbin, your host today on this Globig Podcast. Our hot international expansion topic is international contractor, PEO, or employee. What's best for your global business? And our guest expert is Suraj Sharma, the Client Services Director of Human Resources at Global Upside Corporation. Global Upside includes Global Upside the brand, Global PEO Services, Mihi, and Gava Talent Solutions, a conglomerate specializing in international business operating in over 150 countries. Suraj, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us again. Thanks so much, Anki. I'm happy to be back. Awesome. So I know this is a topic that's really near and dear to your heart because you probably speak to people about this all the time. But I really would love for you to kind of explain, like, what are the differences between a PEO or hiring an employee or using a contractor? And why does it matter? Absolutely. And, and to your point, this is a topic that, that we discuss frequently at Global Up with a lot of our clients. And and I think ultimately, from a very simplistic standpoint, the main difference comes down to autonomy. So when you're hiring an employee through a PEO, for example, the PEO will ultimately be responsible for the employee. And while we strive to provide our clients with autonomy to manage an individual's day-to-day, the key HR communications, such as raises, title changes, promotions, visa renewals, benefits, and ultimately terminations will need to be handled exclusively through the PEO as the employer of record. Now, conversely, when hiring an employee directly through your own local entity, for example, all direction to the employee will come directly from within your organization. On the flip side, with contractors, in order for them to be considered a true contractor, they must be fully autonomous throughout their day-to-day. Keep in mind, the intention behind hiring a contractor is to hire an individual with particular knowledge or skills to complete a project or a task. Interesting. So... When, I mean, obviously, both all three of these are really important, and I'm sure there are really important times for hiring each one of these. When is it best to hire a contractor versus an employee, or when would you recommend using a global PEO instead? Yeah, and I think I'll start with the PEO, and, and generally speaking, a PEO can be looked at as a, a short-term or an interim solution. So when a company is looking to expand into a new country, your region, or territory for the first time, this is a great, uh, a great tool that you can use to kind of explore your options in that region. So it's for this region reason that we often see PEO employees employed as sales or market development personnel, kind of exploring and feeling out that, that local market. Keep in mind, there are limits to when, when a PEO employee is applicable. For example, we generally advise if you're looking to hire more than five employees in a country indefinitely, or let's say you have employees on a PEO already, but you're approaching that five employee threshold, or you're looking at more than a million dollars in sales with customers within that country, then you should really be looking into establishing a local entity and hiring employees directly um, as you begin to run the risk of creating a permanent establishment based on your headcount and and your revenue generation. Um, in that same vein, when hiring an employee, this tends to be a more typical process for international, for hiring internationally or expanding globally. And the typical process is that you set up a local entity or a branch, you hire employees directly under this entity or branch, and this allows you to not really worry about the permanent establishment risk because you're 
taking care of that preemptively. You're already establishing yourself in that country. And from that point onwards, you can hire as many employees as you want and you can generate as much revenue as you want in country. Of course, there are risks with establishing a PE in country. Um, and, uh, and I shouldn't say risks, they're more just compliance um, items that have to be taken care of. And those are your local tax filings, you have ongoing compliance costs, filing you know, VAT returns, tax returns, um, you know, corporate income tax, for example. Um, but as your headcount and revenue grows, these costs tend to become less prohibitive and more just ongoing operating costs. Now, on the flip side, a lot of international or, or, a, or a lot of companies looking to expand internationally, you know, for the first time or into a new region, will look at hiring contractors versus a PEO, for example. And international contractors are unique in that, as previously mentioned, their use cases must be clearly defined and project-based. And they have to be independent in their day-to-day activities. So it's it's difficult to have a contractor be a salesperson or a market development person because oftentimes you need a lot of very clear direction from your headquarter office as to kind of what markets you want to explore, what their commission structure is, for example. And, and commission is a whole another issue with contractors that um, we can discuss further on. But they the day-to-day has to be independent for them to, to be a contractor. And, and it's hard to do that when you're setting up in a, in a new country for the first time. And, uh, and so it's also important to note that these individuals are not afforded the same rights protections as employees. And so keeping that in mind when you're expanding internationally is very important. You know, one of the things we talk a lot about is the kind of the, the risk of hiring contractors internationally and treating them like an employee or even thinking of them as an employee and how many companies kind of get into that muddy water. And, and so I'd love for you to touch base, on, just touch on, you know, what are some of those risks and how exposed are companies when they do this, especially in some of the most countries where, you know, they're, they're really, really monitoring that closely. Absolutely. And I think you touched on it, um, you know, in, in your statement there that the primary risk is treating the employees, uh, treating the contractor, sorry, as employees. So really the greatest risk is misclassifying them. The consequences for doing so will vary greatly by country and by region. In fact, I, I think if you look at um, EMEA, for example, particularly Western Europe, or you look at Latin America, these are very employee-centric environments. Um, and so the consequences will vary, but they can range from fines, for example, for each month the individual is deemed to be misclassified. And then depending on the blatancy and severity of the misclassification, um, a company can even be forced to shut down altogether and be blackballed from big business for a period of time. So it can be very, uh, very severe depending on um, you know, what the, the blatancy and severity of that, of that misclassification is. Mm-hmm. When you know, I think one of the things that happens is these relationships change over time, right? So maybe the intention is really clear initially, and all of a sudden that individual becomes really valuable, the business is growing really quickly, and the roles start changing and evolving because you've got this talented person there that you can continue to grow with. Like when, you know, at what point is that person no longer an you know, a contractor and how do you, you know, how often do you recommend companies kind of reevaluate those relationships just to kind of make sure that they are, they still have those really clear lines? 
Yeah, and, and that's a great question because this is, this is where a lot of the challenges a lot of our clients face comes from. And so what we generally advise, is we have kind of a litmus test that we use, and it, it's um, similar to like the common law test in the U.S., for example, which is determining whether a contractor is truly a pseudo-employee, which is generally what we reference, um, what, what we reference contractors who have an employment relationship to be called. And there are about four questions that we generally ask. Um, the first one is, do you determine when, where, and how this contractor performs their activities? So this includes determining the number of hours of, uh, they work per week, the days per week they work, where they, where they perform their services. Um, the next question is, does the contractor have to provide their services in person? So this ties back into that first question, which is, um, are you setting up an office space for this individual? For example, maybe through a WeWork or, or through um, a, a virtual or a, a remote office, for example. The third question is, does the contractor receive a fixed monthly salary? Um, that, that meaning, are, you, are they paid on, on, a, on a pay schedule, for example? And the last question is, does the contractor work exclusively for you? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, then there is a high chance that the contractor will likely be considered a pseudo-employee and would therefore be eligible for the rights afforded to employees in country, regardless of what agreement they have in place with, the, with, with your company. Um, and so it is important to reevaluate throughout the life cycle of this individual. Um, do any of these questions turn from a no to a yes? And if it becomes a yes, then you really want to reevaluate at that point. Should you consider this individual an employee? And if so, do you, do you need to update the relationship to an employment status? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I wanted to talk through was kind of that natural transition and classification from one type of engaged relationship to another and you know is there kind of a natural progression from contractor to PEO to employee and then if there is can you go back and forth if your needs change or are you kind of fixed in some of those a little bit more so than others? Yeah, and, and this, this, I think, again, ties into kind of the main challenge that, it, that is faced in that um, I would say that there is a natural progression because each option is very situational. And, and to your point, it's dependent on your, your company's needs. Um, as previously mentioned, with the concerns of pseudo-employment, converting a contractor to an employee may raise several concerns in the event that the employee's tasks or job duties are not changing, their pay structures remaining the same, or their, even their reporting structure is not changing. Um, with a PEO, for example, as these individuals are already classified as employees, these same concerns don't exist. So you have much more flexibility going from a PEO relationship to a direct hire relationship. Um, with a contractor, unfortunately, where the challenge arises tends to be um, in determining when that relationship for the employee has previously started. So if you're going to recognize their previous years as a contractor when you issue them a new employment contract, then you have a bunch of additional risks you have to be aware of that now you are retroactively recognizing seniority from a time when they were quote unquote not official employees. And this, you know, raises some some eyebrows with local tax authorities, for example. Well, and, and you think about some of the benefits that they might be able to retroactively claim. Maybe it's um, you know, you just think about kind of all the different things uh, maybe it's uh, investment into the different social taxes or you know whatever but um, that's I would imagine at risk too if you are going if you're considering them to be an employee retroactively in any way right 
Absolutely. And and that is actually, I think, one of the main cost differences between a contractor and an employee, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's a great time to touch on, on that piece as well, because a lot of companies look at contractors as a more cost effective option. So um, if we can discuss, you know, kind of PEO employees and direct hire employees together, um, when you're using a PEO, you're responsible for um, an employee through a direct hire uh, engagement. You as the employer are responsible for deducting the employee taxes from employee wages. You pay them to local tax authorities. You also have an employer tax on top of their salary that you have to remit to tax authorities on a particular schedule. And to your point, you have to factor in other competition elements. So those are bonuses, commissions, benefits to the tax regime that they are afforded, um, supplemental benefits if you want to put those in place, pension contributions, et cetera. In addition to this, you have notice period requirements when you intend to terminate a PEO or direct hire employee. So in some cases, maybe this individual is not working out, but they are they negotiated a, a two-month notice period in an employment contract, for example. Well, now you have to pay an employee two months worth of, of their wages, including all of these bonuses, commissions, benefits, taxes, et cetera, um, when you don't actually need their services anymore. And at the end of that notice period, you also have to pay them their severance that's required by law. And so the overall cost for hiring an employee or a PEO individual, for example, can look kind of daunting for a lot of companies wanting to just explore a region for the first time. And that is, I think, one of the greatest appeals of a contractor, is that the individual, that individual, that contractor is solely responsible for paying their taxes. The company will just purchase their services and you just pay them a net payment. And that's great. And for a lot of contractors, this has a tremendous advantage, as in many countries, the income tax rates for employees are substantially higher than the tax rates for contractors. And this may be one of the driving factors that when you're negotiating with an individual in a new country for the first time, that, that you know they, they may even recommend, yes, you should hire me as a contractor because your overall cost of employing me are much lower. However, there, there is a risk in doing this, and that always comes up when an individual is being terminated. Because when you begin their contractor relationship, they get an immediate tax relief. And as a company, you get immediate tax relief as well. But when you terminate, and what we've seen um, at Global Upside is when companies are looking to terminate contractors, this is where you run into problems. Because if you've been treating a contractor as an employee, for example, for any period of time, it becomes very easy for a contractor to claim that they were truly an employee and were misclassified. We have seen this happen dozens of times when a client goes to terminate a contractor and that individual now wants to receive the same rights and notice period requirements, severance requirements that an employee would receive during termination. And this often puts companies in a bind. Uh, Like I mentioned previously, particularly in our experience, Western Europe and Latin America, employment laws internationally are very pro-employee. So in the event that that a concern is raised to a labor court, for example, and the contractor is deemed to be a pseudo-employee, not only is the employer likely to be fined penalties for misclassifying the contractor, but you would also likely owe all of the back tax owed to the tax authorities plus interest, any unpaid overtime wages, mandatory bonuses, severance payments, a vacation payout, and any other pay elements afforded to regular employees that were not uh, that the contractor was not able to avail throughout the course of their employment. This can quickly add up to substan- substantial sums of money, even in the event of an out-of-court settlement. So I think the bottom line in terms of risk, both financially and in terms of misclassifying an employee, is that 
the short-term benefits of hiring a contractor internationally can, be, can quickly become major financial headaches at the end of this relationship. And in our experience, it's not worth operating in good faith when there are literally hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line. And the interesting thing is, is the contractors know this, employees know that they do have a lot of rights and they that may or that may not come to being a big issue early in the relationship but at some point they will you know bring that up and they'll want to make sure that their rights are being um considered and you know they everyone knows this is not something that you're going to just be able to skirt around no matter what now i do believe that contractors have a play an important role but it also needs to be that they are truly contractors versus you're using them as a an employee with benefits, right? Completely agree. I, I think there are situational cases where contractors make a lot of sense. So, um, you know, like, like I mentioned, contractors are, are individuals who you are um, purchasing services from, so to speak, you know, employing in, in, in layman's terms, but, but purchasing services from, and they offer a particular set of skills um, or local knowledge that you know an employee may not have. And so if you have a project-based um, project or a timeline-based project where you want to employ a contractor or you need someone with those local skills, that's a great time where you can explore the contractor model, but just be very cognizant and aware that there are certain requirements that you have to meet and these requirements vary country by country in order to hire a contractor. So we always recommend seeking um, you know, knowledge experts in that field, whether that be global upside or whether it be employment attorneys, for example, um, and, and making sure that your relationship is completely contractor based and that there is very limited risk in an in a pseudo employment relationship. I think absolutely. I think companies really just want to be careful about really thinking through what's best for their business, working with an organization such as yours to understand what all of you know, the key aspects are that they need to consider and definitely need to pay attention as those relationships change over time because they change really quickly. And all of a sudden you look back and you're thinking, wow, okay, actually they have been an employee now for a while and, and that'll eventually be something that you want to take care of fast. So, um, Siraj, I think that that's a perfect place for us to, to kind of wrap everything up and, and make sure that everyone knows how to get a hold of you. Um, let us know the best way for uh, companies to reach out. What would you want them to do? Go to your website, give you, shoot you an email. What is, what's best for you? Yeah, you could definitely reach us at our website, globalupside.com. Um, and my, my personal email as well is siraj.sharma at globalupside.com. Um, and you can reach me out. You can reach out to me as well. And, and Global Upside is happy to, to help companies, you know, kind of navigate these, these muddy waters, so to speak, and, and really provide that, that advice that, that are, that's required in, in these countries to understand kind of the employment landscape and, and how to navigate contractors versus a PEO versus hiring employees directly. Yeah, and keep in mind, everyone that's listening, the, every country's different, and maybe even regionally, there are differences as well. So definitely reach out. The Global Upside team is there to really help you understand this better, and it will make such a difference. So Raj, I want to thank you so very much for joining me today. It's always a pleasure to have you as my guest. Thank you again for having me back. I really enjoy these conversations. Absolutely. So for our listeners, please 
um, join the free resource hub on globig.co. And if you're serious about doing business internationally, you'll find all sorts of information and connections to really great resources like Global Upside there. And it'll make your day-to-day much more productive. So thank you for joining us. And then please subscribe to this podcast channel for more fantastic international expansion podcasts.